And Margo, it is good to see you. God bless you. I, I visited Margo, who was not feeling well earlier this week, and she says, I'm coming to church Sunday, and I'm going, Lord. Um, but I'm glad to see that you were escorted this morning, that you didn't just come by yourself. Amen. There's something about God's presence. There's something about his presence. Um, there's no um, older Sunday school class um, it's just the younger Sunday school class, so there's no Sunday school upstairs, no youth class. Um, if you'd like to be dismissed now, children, for Sunday school, you may be dismissed. And Char Miss Charlene is at the back. Are you going to escort them over? All right. So the younger Sunday school classes may be dismissed. Hallelujah. What is the series that we've been talking about in the last number of weeks? This is a house. I didn't catch that joke, but maybe that's good that I didn't. It's behind me. It's like a teacher who gives everybody the answers. It's like, that's not even fair. Here I thought everybody was listening. This is a house. And we've spent a number of weeks. The first week we had a conversation, Pastor Daniel and myself, and um, we had some thoughts that Pastor Brenda had conveyed about the culture, the identity, how culture is basically how you do things, why you do things, the impact. Uh, it affects the literature. It affects the poetry. It affects the, the community. If you look at the culture of the day, it usually identifies the, the nature of the people. So the Roman culture, the Egyptian culture, the Jewish culture, all had different identifying points or uh, traits. And it's the same within a family. It's the same within a family. I've been in families that um, one of their traits is they talk loud. Sometimes so loud I think they're yelling at each other, but that's just the way they communicate. When you come to me, I just talk meek and mild. I just talk quietly and nice. But, but I've been to places where confrontation just seemed to be a natural thing, and it was not common for me, but in some places, that's culture. And I'm not here to say whether that's good or bad. There, I think there's positives and there's negatives. But culture quite often describes or defines a house or a family or a people. In the same way, that affects and defines church. God's house. So we spent a week or two on talking about that, a little bit of talking about that. And one of the pressures that we have in culture is we have a culture outside of church or a counterculture that puts demands on us and expectations. And quite often the demand and the expectation is to follow or else you're going to be shamed. Follow or else you're going to be blacklisted. And, and quite often, that is a very much a culture of pressure. And, and so you find in culture, sometimes it sways and it moves. And what was not acceptable uh, six years ago is now acceptable. And what was acceptable six years ago is now not acceptable. And they call that progressive society. 
I struggle with that term. But I find it interesting because culture, if you ever look at it closely, can change. Just like fashion changes. Bell bottoms. Different types of clothing. And, and it was from the 70s, from the 80s, from the 90s. Different thing, And they come and they go. And same with cultures. Culture changes. And, it, and if you want to just understand that better, you just look at the culture of our country, the culture of our neighboring country, and see how much it is in flux and changes. And if we're not careful, that affects us inside the house of God and it affects us even in our families. I'm here to tell you that we don't bend to the culture out there. We bend to the culture of his word. And the part that bends is my knee. And quite frankly, this is a counterculture to the counterculture of the world. And yet I find the answers to so many issues in his word. I've been talking to a number of people in this church, but also in, in other churches, r- friends that I have, a relationship that I have, people that, that uh, I relate with, and we've been talking about the changes. I mean, in the last 20 months, I have not seen a change like that in my whole life. And I don't want to ignore it. I don't want to raise it on a pedestal, but in the last 20 months, our world has changed. But our God has not. And fear has become quite a cultural motivator. But we don't live in fear. We live according to the word of God. We live according to what he says. And so I find it very interesting, the challenge of culture. As we continued, we talked about this is the house of God. So as we're looking at this as a house series, the first and foremost thing we wanted to understand was this is the house of God. This is not just a house. There's many houses of God, but this is his house. This is the house. We went from there to talk about the foundation. In 1 Corinthians, no other foundation can you lay except Christ Jesus. If you are building your life, build it on Christ Jesus. I can't stress it. It's like, well, that's so simple. Yeah, I understand. You know what I have found? I have found that I have run to that foundation many, many times in the recent months. Because I have faced things that I could not handle. And the only way I was able to handle them was through Jesus Christ. I think, I think we have this expression, and I, I'd like to give it a little bit of pushback. We have this expression, God will not give you more than you can handle. No, I think sometimes the world and life gives me more than I can handle. And I see that because I see people around me and people in society that you just look at them sideways and they blow off the handle. And what I've found is when I've had more than I can handle, I go to the one who can handle everything. And I have found that there's no other foundation, there's no other basis of life that I have, but I have been found that I need to be rooted, grounded, and established in Christ Jesus. 
And it causes me, and it has caused me in the last number of months especially, just to look at how good he is. He's mighty. He's powerful. He's strong. He is the solution and the answer to the needs that were present in the day. I find in the Bible it actually says that he did more things than they could actually record. And there's a lot of things he did that were recorded. Somebody came to him and said, can you help me? And he says, just go your way and it's healed. And the guy goes back home and he checks on the condition that he came to Jesus. And he says, when did this this change? I think it was talking about either his son or his servant. He says, when did the condition change? And the guy gives him the time. And I guess he based it on the little uh, sundial. And he goes, well, when the sun was here. And he goes, that's the exact time that Jesus spoke the word. Jesus can say something that affects something in the next county. We live in a connected society, but God can speak something in Abbotsford that can affect Ottawa. And I'm just, I'm just amazed at the beauty, at the power, and the, uh, the immensity of Jesus. And I am convinced that we will spend eternity and we will never, ever get tired of praising Jesus. Think about that. 24-7. Well, there's no time there. So it's like get in your jet pack and explore Jesus. But he will ne- we will never tire of praising him I am I am gripped in my spirit to get to know him even more I I want I I saw a a, a little display on a TV monitor a few weeks ago on a show and they were representing Christ and it was it just blew me away this woman came to him and this was all artistic and and with actors and stuff but he just put his hands on her head and she was changed and he walked on he went away and then it followed her and all those issues that she was struggling with all those voices, all that demonic stuff, all that noise, it left her. And they cut to another scene and they say, well, when did this happen? And, and she goes, there, there, there was, there's this man. And after he touched me, I realized it afterwards that that was the defining point or that was the moment when it changed. That's what you and I have because of our relationship with God and our relationship with Jesus that we can literally go to somebody and their life can be transformed, not because of me, but because of Jesus. Don't lay any other foundation in your life other than Jesus Christ. He is the most important person in history. And God became man so that we could be restored back to God.
this is a house. So we talked about the foundation. Then last week we talked about this is a house, and I took it to the thought that I am a house. And we saw some scriptures talking about I am the temple. So as we spend the next number of weeks or months, I'm not in a rush. To me, this is something I believe is very foundational, but also very pivotal in the church life, but also in your life. So in the next number of weeks or months, as we're studying this, I don't want us just to look and say solid rock church, which I believe has an identity. But not just solid rock church, but every single one of you is a house of God. So when we're talking about this is a house of worship, it's not just when we play the music and sing, but you carry that with you when you leave. And on Tuesday, when you're having Taco Tuesday, it's time to talk about Jesus. It's time to worship him. Why? Because I am a house of worship. I am a house of worship, not just the one hour or the two hours on Sunday, but 168 hours a week. I am here, and I worship Jesus here on Sunday, but I worship him in my car. I worship him in the bathroom, in the shower. I worship him when I'm running. I worship him when I'm walking. I worship him when I'm standing, when I'm sitting, when I'm daydreaming. I am a worshiper of Jesus. So we spent time last week. I want to read another passage for you about this is a house and I am a house. And it talks, it's in Hebrews chapter 3, talking about Moses and Jesus. And it says in verse 2, he was faithful to him, talking about Moses, who appointed him as Moses also was all in his house, in all his house. Actually talking about Jesus, the high priest. And then he compares it with Moses. For he has been counted, Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. So when we build our house, the honor goes to Jesus. It doesn't go to me as a builder or as you as a builder or as a plumber or as an electrician or as a concrete layer. No, the foundation, the build, the honor goes to the one who inhabits the house, who builds it, and that's Jesus. He says in the word of God, I will build my church. And quite often as a child, I would think of that phrase as the church and as this building. But God said, no, David, that means I'm going to build you. We use the term church sometimes and, and we ignore or we escape the responsibility that it is of a personal nature. Church is called out ones. You and I are called out You and I carry something that the world needs. You and I have something deposited in us that your neighbor needs. And in in Hebrews 3, it says, For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant, talking about serving God, for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, listen to this, whose house we are. If we hold fast the confession, our confidence, and boast of our hope firm to the end. Don't give up, hold fast, stay strong, but you are his house.
That to me is a jaw-dropping moment because here we have the king of kings and what he says is, you are his house. There's a responsibility. Today, I want to continue talking about this is a house and I want to talk about building your house. Building your house. I want to, I, I'm trying to be careful that we take the time to spend on the foundation, the excavation and the foundation because everything that's built is built on something. And if we don't take the time to build the foundation, we will waste our time building a house. When I was a kid, I built a birdhouse. I went for lunch in my house with my brother. I came back after lunch, and the birdhouse was flat. It, like, it didn't even take rain. It didn't take any weather. It just fell over. I think it fell over from the pressure of me closing the door and that percussion. I mean, it was so feeble and so pathetic, but I didn't have it built on a foundation. I used penny nails when I should have used screws. I didn't use glue. I just, I just slapped something together. And sometimes we slap things together and we don't take time to build it right. So today, I want to talk about building your house. This, if you apply today's sermon, you will see a change in your life and in your world if you apply it. I guarantee it. If you don't apply it, don't come to me and say it didn't work. But his word works. For instance, when he says to walk in forgiveness, don't come to me holding a grudge against somebody and say it doesn't work. Let it go. Forgiveness has more to do with you than it does with the person who hurt you. I have found people who haven't forgiven, they look at the other individual and that individual has gone on and laughs and ja jokes around and it's carried on as if nothing happened and the other person is bound up because you just mentioned their name, that name of that individual and all of a sudden it, ooh, and they're not walking in freedom. So today... In the next 9 minutes and 19 seconds, I want to give you some biblical thoughts and principles that if you build your house, you will see change in your world and in your life. Christ was faithful. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10 and up to 13, Paul talks about being a master builder. We've looked at this passage another uh, many times, and he, and he goes on after talking about the foundation, then he talks about what's built on top of the foundation, and he says, it's going to be tested by fire. So build carefully. And not only the fire of later, but sometimes the fire of life tests how you're built. Don't just think it's for the future. Sometimes it's for now. In Psalms 84, verse 10, I, I want to just read you and give you some verses in the Bible that hopefully as you listen to them, God will put a deposit inside of you because the Holy Spirit can work, work with his word. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the gates of the enemy. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. That doesn't mean you come here once every thousand days. That just means this is better in his house than I can do anything elsewhere. 
If you continue reading that verse and that chapter in Psalms 84, it goes on and says, no good thing will, will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. What I want you to see here is better is one day in your house. What I want you to see here is I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather watch the door of God's house than to dwell in the gates of wickedness. The importance of God's house. In the last 20 months, God's house has been challenged. I'm so thankful to see you today. Church life has looked different in the last 20 months. It's a challenging. In Joshua 24, Joshua is talking to the children of Israel. And in verse 15, he says, Choose you this day who you will serve. The choice of how you build your life is your choice. God has given you the instructions. God's given you this. God's given you a thing inside your head called a brain. And it is your choice how you build your house. It's not God's responsibility. God has given us everything that we need. How do we apply it? How do we use it? How do we live with it? And he says, Joshua says, choose you this day whom you serve. And he says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have a choice today. What I find interesting is the action in some of these verses is upon the individual, not upon God. I find it bull-pronged. I believe God does his part, but I sometimes think we don't do our part. I find quite often I want to help God on his part. I want to smite the wicked ones. I want to see pestilence. I want to see this. I want to see. And God's saying, no, David, this is what my word says. I know none of you struggle with that, but I just have to drive for three minutes down the highway, and I got my sanctification being tested. You know, am I going to wave? Bless them as they go. In Matthew 6, verse 21, it says, Where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Where's your treasure? And then he talks in that whole passage about laying a treasure up where moth and rust does not corrupt. I have realized that my life here is temporary. But I also realize I have an eternal destiny. And I'm going to be on this planet for 80, 90 years. I don't know if I'll make it to 100. I want to be here strong and mighty till God calls me home. But that's just the beginning. I've got eternity ahead of me. And sometimes I have found myself making decisions based on the grass being green or brown and not about on the eternity of God's word. Can you imagine what difference we would make if we based our lives and our decisions based on eternal things? One of the things I want to do in this sermon in this series is I want to see your life impacted by God. I want to see you succeed here on earth. Definitely, definitely, I want to see you succeed. But I want to see you grow and to nurture the relationship with Jesus that affects other people, and they'll see other people get saved and go to heaven because of what we've been preaching here on this earth. Where's your treasure?
Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word have I hid in my heart that I, might not, that I may not sin against you. Psalm 119. The word, thy word, have I hid in my heart. In Psalm 830, uh, Mark, Mark 836. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? If you are in the pursuit of gaining, 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 and you don't spend time on your soul, your relationship with God, you're going to spend a lot of time and you're going to get to the end of some matter and then you're going to go, that didn't really help me a whole lot. Some of these things deal with values. Values. In Hebrews 12 Verses 1 and 2, it says, Let us lay aside those things which so easily beset us, and let us run the race. And then he says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't fix it on the economy. Don't fix it on this. Don't fix it on that. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. These are some aspects of how you build your life, how you build your house. So I'm going to just read a number of things to you because I want to get them to you in a very short order. But building a house is all about the building materials. Building a house is all about building materials. You don't build it with a two-by-two when you want to go into hurricane season. You build it with earthquake straps. You build it with hurricane straps. You build it with this and those connectors and this connector. Build it with concrete. You build it with structural materials, metal, wood, concrete. Don't build a straw house where God wants you to build a strong house. Take the time to assess and evaluate your building materials, or your values. You start, I'm, give, I'm giving you some wisdom here. You're going to want to tape this. You're going to want to write these notes down. These things will affect and change your life. Not because I'm saying it, but because it's word of God, because it's his principle. You start, how do you assess and evaluate? You start by deciding and answering the question, what do I want? What do we want? What do you want? I want to be someone who makes a deposit on this earth that is up in heaven. I want to be someone who sees heaven on earth. I want to see someone who can touch someone else's life physically but also spiritually that they change the course of their life and the decisions they used to make are changed and now they have salvation and they have the king of kings. I love these, these home improvement shows. We watched one last night where they went into a whole community and they did like 12 projects. And they'd go to the person's house and the person would be in tears because they had no ability to fix the house, but somebody came to fix it for them. I tell you, that, that I'm a grown man, but it makes me cry. I just go, Lord, I just want to see people's lives touched. If I could be honest with you, I... I, I don't, I'd like to see somebody get tears that, that touches their emotion. 
because they were doing something and they didn't have the ability to change it. And somebody came and gave them the tools, the ability, and helped them see what they could change. And all of a sudden, their house changed and the house affected how they lived. Know what you want. Decide what you want. What do you want it to look like? Take time to consider what you want. Examine, investigate, look closely. Buy magazines of houses. I get people sending me pictures of what they'd like to have in a house. And I see dollar signs and they just see the beauty of it. But know what you want in your house. Don't build a one-story house when God says, no, I want you to have a view. Take it three stories up. And you do that by the foundation. The house that you build answers to the foundation that you've laid. That's why we're talking about Jesus. Because God wants you to have skyscrapers. Not a mud hut. What is it that you value? Why is it important to me? Is this good building material? These are things that you have to ask. One of the things when Owen and I did as, as our children were young, we talked about what we wanted our family to be. And one of the things we wanted to do was we wanted our kids to be able to talk to us whether they were respectful or not. We wanted them to express what was inside of them, even if it was contrary to what I wanted. That's hard because sometimes they said things and it came out mean, it came out hard, it came out selfish. But what we wanted them to do was have the ability so they didn't stuff it in, but they had the ability to bring it out. And then we talked about afterwards if it was disrespectful, we dealt with it. But that had sometimes there were conversations that were not easy for me or Winona to have because the kids were saying things contrary to what we wanted. But we encouraged that in order that when they hit their teenage years and their adult years, they were able to communicate effectively. I've seen so many people that don't know how to communicate effectively and just go, Bleh! but learn how. So we, one of the values we had was teaching our kids how to communicate effectively. When you make that decision, it's hard. Because things will come up that go contrary to that. But if you stay to it and you stick with it, you will see the reward. Building isn't just a one-time thing. It's a lifelong adventure. How do I determine values in my life? I've got eight things. And I'm out of time. I'm going to give you a few of them. Value what God values. Quit valuing what the society values. Quit valuing the latest fashion trends. Value what God values. Start there. And how do you know what he values? Study Jesus. Study this Bible. This is the word of God, and it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when you study Jesus, when you study the word, what you are is you are studying a revelation, a description of Jesus. And so when you study the Bible, you study Jesus. If you say, how do I want to build my life? Take the time to value what God values. How do I know what that is? You study Jesus. You know what some of the things Jesus did? He was moved with compassion. He only did what he saw the Father doing. Study him. 
see how he responds. What are the, some of the things he found? Not my will be done. Caring for people. Doing the will of the Father. Healing. Getting rid, rid of religious mindsets and teaching new, a new covenant relationship and new covenant principles. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Start there. Start there. Build on those values. If that means you have to do a house cleaning, do the house cleaning, get rid of the walls that shouldn't be there, and build on the foundation of Jesus. Value what God values. Study Jesus. And here's another thought for you. I'll close this, this one. Make the determination that you will stick to it. We live in a fast-paced, microwave, drive-through society, and I have found in my Christian life it is anything but drive-through. It is park and stick with it and don't leave. We have people leaving churches because they don't like the color of the carpet or the sound of the music, and they have no idea what it means to be planted in God's house. If you talk to me, I talk about being planted. I've gone to three churches, and I'm almost 56 years old. I know people who go to three churches in four months. Some of them in three weeks. Get planted. You say, well, they're not teaching. You know what? Quit complaining and start teaching God and say, what do you want me to do here? Stick to it. Make the determination that you will build your house on these principles and then do not deter, do not waver, do not falter, do not leave, but stick with that blueprint and don't change it. I believe, I am convinced that if all of us here today did these principles, applied God's word, valued what God valued, your world and your community would change. I'm convinced and I am convinced that as I do it, I learn there's so much more about Jesus that I didn't know. I keep learning about how great he is. I keep learning about his mercy for me. Who I make mistakes and he says, David, I love you. We're not going to be perfect. Your house is not going to be perfect. But if you build on Jesus, you're doing it the right way. Amen? Are you with me? You're with me now because you're going to be leaving me in a five, about 38 seconds. I just want to read this over you today as we exit. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. May you walk in the blessing and the reality of what Jesus has done for you. Build your house. God bless you. Have an amazing week. We will see you next Sunday. Bless you.